0: In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com sheet she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's POD. S U R V E Y dot com slash she. Thanks for your help. Happy Wednesday. I guess Wednesday, if you're listening on the day that this episode drops. If you're not listening on a Wednesday, happy day. I hope it's a great day. In this episode, I am going to be sharing some things that I wish I knew before I got married. I have gotten this question a lot on social media in the last several months. And so I was like, you know what? Heck, let's just make a podcast episode about it. So In this episode, I'm going to cover that. And just for uh, your context and a little bit of prefacing, this doesn't cover so much about like the warm, mushy, fuzzy stuff about marriage as it does some of the practicals and the whole managing a household and doing that with another human and some of those lessons I've learned through the process of just being married for a few years that I didn't feel as prepared for. I honestly felt like I was pretty prepared for some of the more like interpersonal stuff, but not so much in the practical stuff. And that's partly because I just didn't care to be prepared. (laughs) It wasn't because no one tried to help me. Like my poor mother, I think, tried to prepare me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get to that. So anyways, all that said, I'm going to dive into some of these things, especially some of the practical things that I've learned when it comes to just cultivating and building a life, not only on your own, but also with someone else. So let's get into it. I'm not going to make you wait. Let's do it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. So before I got married, I thought I had a pretty good handle on on all I would need to know. I read a lot of the books about marriage, I read Love and Respect. I read this really good book that I actually recommend to all wives or women in relationships with men in general, What Your Husband Isn't Telling You. That is such a helpful book. Oh my gosh. Also read The Meaning of Marriage and several more. We met with our pastor and his wife for marriage counseling. We talked about all the things we thought we were supposed to talk about. We talked about our expectation when it came to building our family and how many kids we wanted and money and how we were raised and values and expectations and all the things they tell you you should talk about. And so in no way did I expect marriage to be a fairy tale. In fact, I felt like I had a pretty realistic idea and a solid grasp on what it would be like after digging into all those resources and meeting with counselors and all of that. So I was prepared for both the highs and the lows, for hard conversations, for happy times to all of those things. You know, I mean, I guess when I say that I was as prepared as I could be for things like faithfulness and conflict resolution, et cetera. But what I wasn't as prepared for was the function or the functional aspect of cultivating a home, especially with another very different human being. I had lived on my own before. I knew how to do laundry and survive and feed myself and all that stuff. But when there's another person in the mix, suddenly it becomes more about just getting tasks done. And that's what I don't think I realized before. It becomes about coordination and unity in getting those tasks done, in cultivating the house especially in everyday things like finances and schedules and household chores and all of that. And so, you know, I want to just cover a couple different things that I have learned that are helpful in a variety of areas, especially if you and your partner do things a little bit differently. So when it comes to Matt and I, I am much more, he jokes that I'm kind of like OCD, like I am definitely much more orderly, much more like things have a place. Let's get things done. That's how my brain works. He's much more like, it's okay. You know, he's not nearly as orderly in in terms of organization and where things go. But then we always joke on the flip side, I'm not quite as poignant. I think that's the word when it comes to like being on time for things, but he's very much about like being early and being on time. And so we we are organized and disciplined in different ways, like the things that we value and prioritize. And I absolutely hate clutter. It gives me anxiety. And so I am much more like, no, put this away. And he's much more like, it's okay if there's a cup on the table. So he's kind of helped me relax a little bit and I've helped him in certain areas of organization. So it's good. It's complimentary. But the point of that is we function differently in our household and in our spaces. And so everything from, you know, scheduling to money conversations to organization, all of that, you know, we've had to kind of learn, all right, how do we manage a household? Well, In terms of even when we're, you know, especially in the context of we tend to naturally do it differently. So, I want to just go through a couple of these different categories of cultivating a home and cultivating a living environment, whether it's a house or an apartment or something else, and just some helpful things that I have learned, things that have been helpful for us and ways that we've been able to do this with as much unity as possible. Obviously, there's always, you know, miscommunication and things that can happen, but we've really had to learn like, okay, how can we do this well as a team? So, Let me dig into scheduling first. This has been really helpful, especially in busy seasons, because in our personal experience, like we both have our own small businesses and are both, you know, our creative endeavors. So, because of that, we don't necessarily go to work every single day. Like we work every single day and sometimes we work in a coffee shop or a co working area. But because my team, especially, works virtually, we'll get together. There's a couple people locally um on my team but and we'll get together occasionally but most of the time we work individually. I actually prefer that. I tried having an office for a year and I hated it. I actually like to be able to go into my work cave, do deep work and not have people talking around me. And then I like to go, you know, out to lunch or like have human interaction, but when I'm in deep work mode, I like to be in deep work mode and be focused. And so because of that, that's why I chose to have more of a remote team and ended up working out really well, especially during the year 2020. So because of that, you know, we've had to figure out, okay, how do we create structure? How do we, you know, get on the same page about the different things that we're doing? Because we obviously don't work the same jobs, but we work in the same environment and all of that. So one thing when it comes to scheduling, a couple things that have been helpful. One, writing things down and keeping lists and having a go-to space where we keep our lists. So I have a planner and he has a planner. And then we additionally created a shared household calendar. And so this helps us see like, okay, we can turn on or off the other person's work. Schedule so we can know, like, especially because we work in the same house. Oh my gosh, he's on a Zoom call right now. I'm not going to go knock on his office door. Or, oh, Jay has to record five podcast interviews. Let me make sure I set up her tech because for whatever reason, I still struggle to do that. (laughs) And so, you know, there's just having a shared household calendar that we can turn on and off each other's work schedules but then also see, okay, what are our just like personal events? Who has a doctor's appointment at what time? All of those pieces, we didn't figure that out till like a year and a half into marriage. And then once we started doing that, maybe it was two years, it was a while. We were like, oh my gosh, this is so much more helpful because then we can see what the other person has got on their plate for the day, how we can maybe support them or serve them as well as, just knowing what to expect rather than, you know, if Matt's gone and I don't know why this has happened before where he'll be gone for like hours on end. And I'm like, where are you? What are you doing? And then he feels attacked, even though I'm more just like confused. And we real I realized like if I can just check the calendar and it tells me, oh, he has this appointment and then this lunch meeting and then this. Ah, okay, it makes sense. Right. So we just developed this shared household calendar. We actually have been able to do it on Google calendar. And then we have our own, like, we both like pen and paper. So we often, both of us keep our own planner as well. But we really try to make an effort to put and translate everything that we write down in our planner, especially if it's something that isn't just like a quick little task, but something we have to report to or be at, such as a Zoom meeting or a podcast interview or something like that, a doctor's appointment. We try to make sure all those things that can't really move times are in the calendar so we can really see where the other is and plan with unity and, and plan accordingly. That's just a helpful discipline when it comes to scheduling, something really helpful for us. Now, another area that I really have had to learn how to navigate, that Matt and I have had to learn how to navigate is conversations about money and how to have conversations about money in a way that is fruitful and fun and life-giving and not stressful. I don't know if you think about you know your conversations with your spouse when it comes to money, but for a lot of couples and and for us for a time, a lot of times money was always like one of those conversations where it was only happening when it was in a stressful situation. Like, why did you spend so much on X, Y, or Z? Or why didn't you pay off the credit card? Or you forgot about this bill? And then money just becomes a category or a subject that isn't very fun to talk about in your marriage because it's usually done in the context of stress. So, Keeping that in mind, one thing that we were advised to do, this was, so let me think, this was a few years ago, we met with a couple friend of ours and they are probably 20 to 25 years older than us. And we always joke that they're like us in the future and they really have helped us understand how to dream together. The one of, our, one of our meetings, they really challenged us to consider, okay, Jay, what are dreams of Matt's? And then Matt, what are dreams of Jay's? And we both kind of had to answer that question. And then they said, okay, you guys need to get on the same page. Because at that time, Matt was considering leaving his full-time job and really going all in on helping me with my business and starting his own business. And so because of that potential transition, it brought up a lot of conversations about income and finances and budgeting and all the things we need to do to make sure that we do that well and that we stewarded that well. All of that said, it really did lead to this kind of point in this meeting we had with them, this conversation we had with them where they were like, okay, you guys are trying to make some really big decisions that can affect your income. It can be challenging, but it can also really bless you if you do this well. You guys need to get on the same page about what you want, what your goals are financially, lifestyle-wise, et cetera. You guys need to dream together. And we absolutely love the way that they said that, because it can be so easy to kind of like, have your own expectations or dreams of what you want your house to be like, or your your career to be like, or your lifestyle to be like, or your vacations this year, all the things that you want to do. And sometimes you can think you communicate those to the other person, but unless you have like a truly scheduled dream date or a goal setting date, especially including the conversation about money, like we laid out everything that was really what we wanted to do with our life and, and the impact we wanted to have and the general, like the things we wanted to do when it comes to practicing generosity and giving and, and all the things we want to do to save and prepare for the future and how often we want to be able to go visit family and all of these things. So we looked at all that and then we said, okay, what's it going to take financially to do these things this year and into the future? And we really began to analyze that. And for the first, I mean, for the first time in a while, because you know it's stressful when you're trying to make decisions about leaving your job and when you feel like you're kind of having these bits and pieces of conversation over text message when someone has a thought or in passing or quickly over dinner, but then somebody calls or something happens. It just feels like it's just this stress point and it feels like a really big decision. And so Anyways, we sat down and we really just mapped it out and got a clear picture. And on the same page, and that was so helpful for us. So he, like, I don't know if healing is the right word, but like unifying, I guess. And so ever since then, really, you know, shortly after that, we, you know, made the plunge and then we eventually hired or we, we had been working with an accountant. So we would have meetings with him and then we hired a financial planner. And so our dream dates really turned into like biweekly meetings or even just monthly meetings with our financial team is what I call them. To sit down and say, okay, where are we at? Like, we've established these goals. Where are we at? Are we missing the mark? Do we need to make adjustments? How can we get better? All of those things. And it really becomes a productive meeting, especially now having a financial advisor involved. You know, they're kind of like that neutral third party that can provide wisdom and guidance and advice. But before we even started doing that for the first year from the first time we had the dream day up until when we hired the financial planner, it was really just this check in where it was like, okay, Are we, you know, discussing the things we want to discuss? And we just over time have learned how to make money conversations fruitful and productive and healthy. And I've realized if you're proactive about those conversations rather than reactive about them, they can be really fun and they can be really exciting and they can be something that really unify you because you're able to say, okay, these are the resources our family has to steward and these are the goals or the hopes that we have. How can we do that as a team? And it starts to really, rather than feeling like you're two individuals trying to, you know. Utilize the budget, you really do feel like you get on the same page and as a team. And so I would really just recommend and encourage if I could go back and tell this to my younger self, be prepared to have monthly financial check ins and like fun money meetings, you know, together or dream dates together where you get to set goals and discuss the lifestyle you want to work toward and get clear and get on the same page. So you're not trying to pursue two different sets of ideas and goals. Because when our marriage like mentors asked us that question of like, okay, Jay, what are Matt's dreams? And then vice versa we, when we answered, like, this is what I think his dream is. And this is what I think her dream is. We realized like, whoa, one, we're like on totally different pages. And two, even when on the things that we were right about, when it came to the other's dreams, those were so different from each other. And we had never really discussed those. And so making money talks fun and getting aligned and getting on the same page consistently. Like, I don't think you just do it once. It's something that needs to be revisited regularly. Like you have like your initial, like, okay, Let's brain dump all of this. Let's kind of get on the same page. And then you have these check-ins and you start to acquire help and seek wisdom and guidance and counsel. So you can really make sure that you're on track and making these moves intentionally. That's really where I think you begin to feel like you're unified in a common goal. And it really brings you together as a team, as well as makes you a really good steward of your resources, right? It makes you a really good steward of your money and your finances. So that is a huge thing. Making money conversations fun in a relationship. We've had to learn how to do that, and I think that has been really life giving. And I wish, in my brain, I would have paid more attention to that. I guess, like when I was preparing for marriage, I was thinking all about like the principles of marriage and the you know our, our hopes for money. We talked about some things like that, or how much money we think we need, but we never really talked about like how are we going to. Navigate money conversations in our marriage and so and then be able to implement the things we decide in an intentional way. So now that we have done that, I wish that would have been something I knew even earlier. So that's why I include it. Now, another topic or area of conversation that I think is important is organization. Earlier, I had mentioned that Matt and I just live differently. And in certain areas, he's more organized and you know disciplined. And in other areas, especially when it comes to like organization of things and stuff, that tends to be more something I lean into naturally. And so when it comes to organization, you know, I've learned, okay, keeping stuff to a minimum and reducing clutter is really helpful on a relationship because clutter can be a stressor On either one or both people in the home, and then that can create tension. And so, I think just when it comes to cultivating a home in general, some things that I've learned about that have been helpful for us to implement is, for example, creating a landing zone, like having one space to unload stuff when you come in the door. This is helpful because, you know, I'm somebody who's like, I hang my keys right on the key hook, and I, you know, like to try to keep my wallet in my purse as much as possible. Matt is somebody who's like, I just wanna throw my stuff somewhere. So we had to like realize that about each other. And instead of me saying, no, I expect you to hang your key on the key hook and put your wallet in this drawer and like all of these things. I said, okay, you know what? We're going to make this really easy to keep it kind of all in one place. And so I got this basket and I put that right inside our garage door um, in our old house, our new house. We're figuring out the the good landing zone for that. But that was something that was really, really helpful. Like I wish somebody would have said to me, hey, when you get married, create a landing zone (laughs) because- you guys are probably gonna have different approaches when you come home and how you keep things out of the way. And if you don't have a landing zone, you're gonna have keys and hats and wallets and random stuff, change, loose change, everything, kind of all over your countertops or your kitchen table. And that's gonna stress you out because that's what happened. And so instead of just you know trying to force yourself or the other to suddenly become much more like every single time you come in the door, you do this and then you do that and you have this rhythm, some people just don't operate that way. So it's really helpful to just say, Here's a basket, toss your stuff in there so that you know where to put it. And then when you're leaving, you know where to grab it. You know where to grab your keys and your wallet and everything else that you need. So that's a really helpful tool and a very, very simple thing to do. Um, another thing that can be helpful is to have like a mail room, which sounds funny. I don't know if I'd call it a mail room, but a mail location, like a mail box or a basket or some sort of container where you can put mail that you need to get to in, rather than it stacking up and piling on your countertops or your tables. So just creating one location. So you you have a landing zone for just all your random stuff that you come in the door and throw somewhere when you get home from work or appointments or whatever. But then also having just a mail center is really helpful or a mail room, which is essentially just one location for mail that needs to be sorted through or worked through or thrown out or whatever. And this can really help reduce, again, unnecessary clutter or piles and stacks of paper, or even the risk of lost mail or lost important mail that's happened before when there was no system for it. So having a place like this is where we put mail can be very helpful. Um, also creating some sort of command center. So I touched on this a little bit where we have a shared family calendar, but also sometimes having like a visual calendar can be helpful for certain people. This is something we've done in different seasons where it's like, okay, especially for big events, like maybe it's not for everyday work tasks and we just share our calendars with each other so we can see that. But Having some things like, hey, Saturday, the mulch is coming. We're going to do a landscaping day, like getting that on the calendar so it's in one place. We also would put it in our digital calendar. But whether your your command center or your shared calendar is digital or physical or both, it's just a place where you basically can revisit so that if one person is, let's say you run into a situation where, I don't know if you, if this has ever happened to you, but it's something that's happened to me in my relationship where I had thought we had a conversation or he had thought we had a conversation about something we'd be doing, whether it's a landscaping job on on a Saturday or, you know, going to shop for a table or whatever these tasks we need to do in our, in our home are. And so we had this, one of us thought that we had agreed on this, but because it was said in passing or said over a text or said in the middle of when someone else, when the other person was busy, that person didn't realize that that was actually what was going to happen or what was coming up and they made other plans or they, you know, are shocked and then it becomes this tension point. So we try to say, okay, when we have a conversation about doing something, we put it into our shared calendar or our command center. So it's easiest for us digitally because a lot of times these conversations or these things that we decide to do or these, you know, events we commit to or whatever, those things can come up when we're driving or we're out to dinner or something like that. And so sometimes, It's easier for us to just say, okay, add it to the calendar for that day so that we have it written down in one shared location. And we can both, that way, if one of us forgets, it's like, okay, we're not going to be mad at each other, but we can revisit, hey, it's on the calendar. This is what we agreed to. So just having a command center or a shared calendar to really organize events, commitments, not only understanding how the other works or, or not how the other works, what the other is doing when it comes to work or appointments they have, but also just getting on the same page about events, you know, upcoming double dates or Um, you know, things, projects that you've said you wanted to work on together around the house and setting aside that time and being able to see that is really, really helpful. Especially for couples who are working and chasing big dreams and busy and ambitious, this is very helpful to get on the same page. Again, another thing when it comes to just having landing zones is having one place for cleaning supplies. I had for a couple of years, I had some cleaning supplies in one area and then some other cleaning supplies in another area. And it just, I realized I wasn't making it easy for like in my brain, I was like, everything has a place. I know that this type of cleaner goes here, right? But that makes it difficult if you have, if you live with someone else who doesn't quite think like that and they just need a simple place to put something. And so I realized I need to have one place that I keep 99% of my cleaners. Maybe I have like a counter cleaner underneath my, or like a cleaning spray underneath my sink in my kitchen. But I need to have like a true center where everything goes so that if anything is used, we just know to put it back in that spot. So that was just a really helpful, simple discipline. Another thing when it comes to organization that we implemented probably a year into marriage, and again, I would have loved to know this even earlier, was the importance of just having some sort of file cabinet with tabs like His Health, Her Health, uh, Home Maintenance taxes, his car, her car, things like that. Because when you get your oil changed and you get a receipt or someone comes to fix a broken window at your house or, you know, a broken pipe or, you know, when you go to the doctor and you get prescribed a medication or something like that, like all these different things. It's like having a space to say, "Okay, I'm going to make sure that whenever I get a receipt from the doctor or anything from the doctor for me, it goes into the her health folder." If there's, you know, ever uh, somebody who comes to fix our I don't know, air conditioner or our pipe or whatever, when we get a receipt from them, we put it or some sort of information from them, we put it in the home maintenance folder. That way, if you ever go to sell your home or you leave or whatever, you can you have a track record of oh, okay, this is all the different things that we've done, or these are the different pieces that have been updated. And then the same with, you know, your health. Okay, these are the different, like when maybe you start working with a new doctor in a year and they go, okay, what did your last doctor say? And if you're just trying to recall from memory, that can be hard. But if you can go back to your list of documents and the different things they had prescribed you and whatnot, like that can be really helpful. So just having a home base for all of your important documents, your legal documents, your taxes, you know, your health, all those things, and then dividing them by kind of subcategories or his and hers really helps it just flow a little bit more easily. And then rather than, you know, again, having stacks of paper pile up in random drawers or on your counter, there's a place where anytime you get an important document or you get something that tracks some sort of appointment that you had or repair that you've had done or anything like that, you can just walk upstairs or walk into the room that you keep the file cabinet in and drop it in the right folder and it makes it really easy. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she thrivemarket.com slash she. A couple other things when it comes to just organizing this, I've kind of touched on already, but just understanding how you organize differently. So again, if if you're somebody, maybe one of you is very much like very detailed and specific about organization and others are just about like, give me something, give me a place, I'm gonna throw it all in there. I don't care how organized the specific space is. That's fine. The goal is keep it as out of sight and out of mind as possible if one person organizes differently or, you know, doesn't mind clutter so much. And so with Matt, let me give you this example. So I realized, you know, shortly into our marriage that he really is an outdoorsman and he loves to hunt and fish and hike and all these things. And so because of that, he had a lot of different outdoors recreational stuff, whether it was his hunting clothes or his fishing poles or his tackle. And I would just kind of find this stuff everywhere, especially in the garage. And I would really frustrate me to walk through the garage because I want everything to be like perfectly stacked and labeled. And that's just not how his brain works. So I kind of went, okay, now that I understand that he doesn't necessarily need that really detailed level of organization, which may be a little bit over the top for me anyways, Maybe I can just give him a way or a place to put everything, even if he doesn't want to organize it in that place. And so I got him this big, huge bin for all of his like hunting and outdoorsy stuff so that this would allow him to just toss it in there easily. But then it kind of keeps it out of sight and out of mind for me rather than it ending up everywhere. So all that said, just understanding how you organize differently and in, you know, if I could go back and tell myself prior to getting married, that would have been something that I I would have asked earlier. Like we had the conversation about how many kids you want to have one day and all those things that you typically talk about. But I felt like I was never really prepared to ask, okay, how do you like to organize? Like, you know, I could kind of get an idea from the way he lived because we had, you know, we both lived on our own, especially in college. But again, I was like, he's a college student. He's living with his roommate. Like, I don't really know how he lives in like on his own when he's not playing football. And so just asking him, like, do you care about, you know, things being labeled or Things that I just tend to prefer, I never really thought to ask if that's how he wanted it, and so I just kind of went into the marriage expecting that we would both organize that way. And when I realized he doesn't care so much about organization, he likes to have things that are in the same spot, but that's about the extent of it. And you know, I don't, I don't know. So I just had to learn. Like, okay, that doesn't make him bad or wrong. In fact, it helps me kind of chill out sometimes. But I just need to learn how to navigate that well so that we aren't in a place where I'm constantly feeling like ah. nothing is you know, perfectly neatly organized and giving him his own spaces to do how what he wants and how he wants with his things, just saying like, okay, but can you just keep it out of this main area or whatever is usually enough to make both parties happy. And so I kind of learned that when it came to this whole area of what do we do with our stuff and how do we manage our stuff differently? And then again, it also came down to like minimizing our stuff. And we've had several different times in our marriage where we've just had major uh, decluttering days. And he really enjoys that too. So we got on the same page and realized we actually really like the feeling of getting rid of unnecessary things, things we haven't used in over a year, things like that. And so we try to do that somewhat regularly and we both actually enjoy it. And so learning what do we like to do together? How can we organize and steward and shepherd what we have well? Well, first it begins with understanding how the other person naturally leans into that and then allowing you, you to be sharpened by the other. Like I said, Matt can help me just chill out and be okay with things not being all perfectly in their place. And I can help him kind of organize up a little bit. And so it's a really good balance in many ways. It's just learning how to navigate that. Another thing too that I would have dug into a little bit more would have been expectations on detail things like functional things. So not expectations of like, how do you want to be spoken to? Or you know how much time do you want to spend together? Or do you expect to spend together? But a little bit more like just regular household tasks. So for example. I would have asked questions if I could go back. I would have asked questions like, "Okay, if I do the cooking, who does the dishes? You or me? Right?" Because in some households, like I grew up in a way that he might have grown up differently. We realized, like for example, on little tasks like that. Like we talked about how we grew up in general. We talked about you know some of those bigger topics, but I felt like in little things that was an expectation and something that we hadn't really quite figured out when it came to cultivating a home. And so, um, some people believe that if you do the cooking, you clean up your mess, right? And you're just on kitchen duty for the night. Others believe that if you do the cooking, the other one should do the cleaning. And so, you know, we had to have a conversation about that. Or who do you expect or want to take care of bill pay and household accounting? You know, interestingly, that's kind of mostly fallen in one of like in his court. But there's been seasons where it's been one or the other, depending on busyness and what we have going on. And then there's been times where we just kind of tag team and we've actually found a pretty good rhythm where there's certain things that he just enjoys taking care of more in that department. And there's certain things that I really enjoy taking care of more. And so we just had to find that rhythm. And sometimes you don't know until you try it, but just asking from the get go, do you want to try to take a stab at that first? Or do you want it to be more on my side of th- like, do you want me to handle that? Or do you want to do it, you know, half and half? Like, do you want to pay these bills and I pay it, make sure these bills get paid? Like, how do we want to do that? And every couple is different. So I think I would have dug more into the details about the financial conversations too, even if it, I, even if it's going to change over time and with different seasons, just having that expectation of like, what do you actually want to do with this? Do you want anything to do with it? How did your family do it? That would have been helpful to know. And then another thing that I think is really helpful, and this is a conversation or not a conversation, a topic. Um, several women have reached out to me about and I'm like, I'm not a marriage counselor. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out myself. Um, but again, that's why I'm kind of covering a lot of the practicals and the cultivating of a home, not so much like the interpersonal warm, fuzzy connection pieces, just more of the functional navigation. But I think another question I would have asked him, and then I think a lot of would would benefit a lot of couples to ask early on or as soon as possible, even if you already are married, is how do you prefer to unwind or relax? And he may tell you like, oh, well, I like to watch TikTok or I like to play video games or I like to whatever, fill in the blank. But this is really helpful to know so that you don't find yourself surprised or frustrated if suddenly you see him, I don't know, fishing for five hours in the middle of the day or playing Xbox every night or something like that, something that maybe you didn't expect or anticipate. And so once he answers, like, I really like to go hunting or I really like to play Xbox or whatever it is, great. Now you know that's his way to, like, that's his me time. That's his, like, he can go in his nothing box, which if you read that book I mentioned, what your husband isn't telling you, it literally talks about, you know, when you ask your, your man, you're like, hey, what are you thinking about? And he's like, nothing. Okay. This book explains when he, that, that men can actually think about nothing. Like they can just kind of go into this box where they zone out. Like, and the way, the reason he calls it box is because he talks about how, Men can compartmentalize, and they can go into like a like they can focus on this compartmentalized subject that they're focused on. Whereas we women tend to think about multiple things at the same time, and we multitask, and our brains, you know, have multiple things going on. It was just so funny; it made me laugh because whenever I would ask like What are you thinking about?" Nothing. I was like, "No, you're totally thinking about something. Tell me what you're thinking about." Then they're like, "No, really, I'm thinking about nothing." And we can hardly even comprehend what that's like. We're like, "How do you think about nothing?" I can't even think about nothing when I'm trying to like. Go to bed, you know? Um, So, anyways, all that said, that was really helpful for me to understand. And so, what is his, what does he like to do when he just kind of goes into like his, his unwind, nothing box chill mode, right? Is it hunting? Is it fishing? Is it, is it tinkering in the garage? Is it playing Xbox? Like, what is it? So that you are aware that when he's doing that, even if it seems like he's doing it for hours on end, you're like, oh, that's like his unwind time, right? So, once you know that, then you can ask a follow up question of, okay, how often do you like to do that? And how many hours of leisure time do you think is appropriate each day or week? Okay, this is really an important question that I wish I would have asked earlier in my marriage because I realized pretty quickly that we had very different expectations when it came to how we spend time or like how much leisure time. I'm somebody who can be, again, this is coming back to my very kind of over-the-top organization, productive brain where I've had to learn to give myself grace and build in rhythms of rest. And Matt has been a huge advocate and just help with that. And so he, you know, I always looked at it like, we get a couple hours on a Sunday and like, that's it. Maximum. Very rarely did I even give myself a couple hours. Like that's how my brain worked. It was always about doing something and achieving something and producing something. And so productivity is not my struggle. (laughs) Usually rest is more difficult for me. Now, when it came to Matt he was a little bit more like the opposite way where he really valued leisure time and connection and and rest and stewardship of you know relationship and having a meal and all that to where sometimes i was like i feel like you're taking too much leisure time right now again that was in comparison to what i expected to be normal which was very little but our expectations were misaligned when it came to what's an appropriate amount of time for leisure time each day or week what does that leisure time look like? How many, how much time should we spend on hobbies? So anyways, in, re- in visiting that conversation and having those conversations, it's helped me build in more rhythms of rest and even like find hobbies. I mean, I used to literally not have hobbies because I would turn any hobby I could into or any hobby that I had into some sort of like work or stream of income. And Matt had so many hobbies that sometimes I would feel resentful. I was like, why do you have so many hobbies? I'm working so much. Why are you just like, you know, playing with your hobbies? He's like, Jay, I'm not playing. I've worked all day and I'm taking some time to unwind. You should do the same. And so, anyways, we've helped balance each other out in that way and we've helped, you know, understand expectations. But when it comes to managing a household, it takes two people. It takes, it takes all parties involved, whoever lives in your home. But especially when you're in a relationship and you're learning how to do this with unity a big piece of it that I have found is let's address some of these functional pieces that are everyday tasks or things that we're going to run into every single week. They may not be some of the big like life conversations about kids or big retirement goals or anything like that, but it also could just come down to, hey, when I cook, who cleans, right? Or, okay, how much leisure time do you think is appropriate a day and how or a week? And how can we build a rhythm of that Into our life that stewards what you need and meets what you need as well as meets what I need, and how can we get on the same page about that? And so that has been a a discipline and a conversation we've had several times, and had to learn how to implement into our into our household and into our marriage, so that we do have you know times where we're disconnected and not on devices and not working, and that I don't you know wonder why why is he off fishing? I thought he had to get get work done. I can now identify oh. That's his leisure time and it's five o'clock on a Wednesday. I should probably be done too, right? So again, it's just really helpful to ask that kind of question. One of the thing that I want to highlight is this was a piece of advice that was given. I was actually listening to someone talk. This was years ago, so I don't even remember the details. I just remember I heard this in a talk and I thought it was a really good um, advice. And she talked about having his and hers chores or like theirs and mine chores. So in other words, identifying, okay, what household chores do you like to do? I think a lot of times we just have this idea, this expectation, like, well, he's going to take out the trash. Well, what if she likes taking out the trash more or he does, you know, whatever. So the idea being, okay, let's, let's identify what are the things that you are responsible for each week and what are the things that I'm responsible for each week and how does that, how are we making sure we're covering all our bases? And if there's anything that we both absolutely loathe and cannot do, then we need to do it as a team or tag team where every Monday you do it, every Tuesday I do it, like, let's say it's dishes. Monday, Wednesday, Friday are his dish days and, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are my dish days and maybe Sunday we do it together. But creating rhythms like that when it comes to calendar and chores and how it's divided up and the labor is labors divided up, you know, well so that each person is actually sh- like showing up and following through on their task is really helpful because if there's no conversation about who does what, then things can get left undone for a long time. Or one person can feel like they're carrying the load of everything because they just keep picking it up because even though the other person expected it or planned to, this is something we've run into where sometimes I or Matt, we will plan to do the laundry or whatever the next day. Maybe we have it in our mind that we're going to do it, but the other person notices it hasn't gotten done and just feels like, oh, I'll just do it, right? And then they feel resentful because they haven't had that conversation of who does what and when do we do it? So developing those habits and rhythms and rich, not rituals, but like routines Just expectations in your calendar as it relates to your household to do's, especially those kind of, I guess, meticulous ongoing things like laundry and dishes and trash and the things you have to do pretty regularly that is really helpful to say, okay, every Friday is laundry day and Jay does it or every you know Sunday night, Matt takes out the trash or vice versa, like whatever fits your life and your preferences. And so I think some of those logistical things, I wish I would have been a little bit more prepared for. I also wish I would have been a little bit more willing to learn about um, hospitality and cooking prior to really getting married. And st- because I just think we we began to find that we had the opportunity to host family for Thanksgiving, or um, we would host friends for game night and do things like that. And I felt like in the years where I really could have learned and observed a lot more because my parents were big hosts and they were all about hospitality. My mom was always like, "Let me show you how to cook this thing," and I was like, "Nah, I just like didn't want to learn it." And then once I got married and was doing it myself, I was like, "Crap, I should have paid attention when I was sixteen years old." So I just think you know, even though. I obviously didn't prioritize it when I was younger. When I got married, I think I started to realize, dang, I wish I would have paid a little bit closer attention. Granted, we have access to so many things and you can learn so much of this on Pinterest and whatnot, but there are some timeless things. Like here's the reality. And this is why I recorded a podcast episode. It was one of the very first episodes. If you scroll all the way back, I think it was like episode four or six or something like that. Um, I recorded an episode with my mom about hosting people at your, at your home and kind of the timing of everything and whatnot. Because even if Pinterest, you know, shares some great recipes with you or tells you the steps to do things, there's some intrinsic and intangible things that, you know, only learning by really observing and being in an environment with someone who knows how to host well and time things well and cook well, like, can you really learn these things? And they're just like some of those intangible skills that a Pinterest recipe can't give you. And things like my mom always talks about timing. So holidays, when People are coming. There's a timing in which, you know, you want to put this on and then you want to heat that up. And then you, so that everything's ready right around the same time. And there's not like cold potatoes next to warm turkey or whatever. And so I've had to kind of like pay closer attention once I got married when we would go to my parents for holidays and try to pick that up a little bit more because that is something. There's just certain intangibles like that or just the way that you host people that you just can't really learn from Pinterest. And so I wish I would have paid closer attention prior to getting married. Now I am. And now I've really learned to implement that after several years of marriage in my own life. But it's just not something that I think is, you know, we don't necessarily intrinsically just know that there's certain things that I think we know relationally. um, But some of the blending the tangibles with the intangibles as we host and as we cook and as we have friends over and as we learn how to meal, you know, plan meals and prep meals and create a healthy lifestyle and host people at our home. That's kind of a, a learning curve, and I wish I would have taken the time to prepare myself a little bit more for some of these tangible things. But now I know, and I've learned, and so I'm passing it on to you if you find yourself in a newlywed season or preparing to get married or if you've even been married for a little while and you're like, ah, we just can't figure this out. Welcome to the party. We're still figuring it out, and half these things will probably change a year from now because we'll continue to refine and refine, and that's part of the journey, I think. So last thing I'll say is I think the, the last thing I wish I would have known or really just even giving myself permission on when I first got married was to give myself grace and to give us grace. I think especially having, this is why I don't try to make my brand about marriage specifically. Like I share little bits of things that we're learning or whatnot, but it's not like my thing because I'm like, uh, there's already kind of a pressure when with social media in general, even if you're not, you know, even if that's not your job and you're not doing anything with social media as your job, or you're not using the internet to create a brand or anything like that, um my relationship was relatively public. And honestly, in our social media world, like all of our relationships are public, so I think we all have this unnecessary pressure to just even if we would cognitively say, "Oh, I don't need to have it all figured out. I'm young, right?" But I still think we all have this like kind of unspoken pressure to feel like I need to be the example, right? And I have certainly felt that in different seasons, especially as someone who's open about my faith and you know, has a public social media profiles. And I, you know, my husband's kind of involved with what I do here and there. And he came with me on book tour. Like, it's so easy. People will say things like, you know, couple goals or, you know, power couple. And that is so flattering and so kind. But like, that's not our goal. Like, we don't care to be couple goals or a power couple. We just care to be good stewards, unified in our mission and glorify God in the best way we know how. And sometimes, this is important, sometimes, oftentimes, that is really the refinement that's necessary to do that. And all that is only possible through failing, through falling, through getting upset with each other, through doing it the wrong way, through, you know, failing to get your chores done around the house and all the just things that we just don't do perfectly, even though we're not, you know, I'm like, do we even count as newlyweds anymore? It's been a while. Um, But I just, I always, I, I like to highlight that because I think all of us can feel that pressure of like, oh my gosh, my aunt is watching us on social media. Like, or whatever. And that can so naturally begin to translate to our life. And then when our our real life is full of tension, or messy, or we're not getting it right, and we're just not on the same page, and when it comes to how we're doing house stuff, and we get frustrated, we can get so so frustrated and upset because we think, oh, it's not supposed to be this complicated, when in reality, it can be complicated. And, you know, managing a house is a skill, I think, that comes just to us to us in general and then you add in the component of trying to be unified with someone else and manage how they manage a house and do that well it can become complicated so i don't share any of this from the perspective of like and this is how you have the world's most unified marriage and a thriving relationship no because i'm still learning that myself and you know we've walked through some hard seasons and experienced our own tension i look at it more like okay these are some things that I didn't feel quite as prepared for prior to getting married, or maybe my mom tried to prepare me for it, but I didn't really see the importance of it. They didn't seem as exciting or warm and fuzzy. And so I figured out, eh, I'll figure it out, which I've then had to do. So all that said, if you find yourself in a similar place or you've been married a while and you still feel like we're just not getting on the same page, maybe a couple of these steps could be helpful for you to consider. They've been helpful for us, especially in really, really busy seasons. Um, we don't do them twenty four seven all the time. We mix things up. we try to make adjustments to them, but these are some core foundational things that I have found to be helpful, especially with two people who live very differently but are trying to cultivate a peaceful, unified home that we can steward well. So all that said, consider these you know those logistical things that you you know can maybe you've already prepared for them or maybe you've already discussed them. But look at the list. maybe you need to rediscuss them or maybe there's a couple that you want to try out so. Basically, my encouragement is in your relationship, if any of these stand out to you, like, oh, we should try that, or, oh, I want to do that, or that could be really helpful for us, then set a date and make a bit of a plan together. Discuss this with the, with him and have a conversation and maybe see what he could get on board with or get some answers to these questions like, how many hours do you think is appropriate to spend on Xbox or fishing or doing whatever he might do for leisure time? And then say, okay my expectation is X, Y, and Z. Could we meet in the middle a little bit more? Have some of these conversations. Revisit these things. I think we're constantly all learning. We constantly have to have these conversations and revisit these things and ask for advice and all of the things. It's a navigation, but hopefully that will help you really steward your home and your living environment and really cultivate and steward what it is that you have to to steward and to manage and to take care of as a team and as a team that does it well. So Lastly, last thing I'll say is if you want to jumpstart on scheduling and organizing your calendar, kind of planning meals and doing some of those logistical things, I have a free mini course. It's the Own Your Everyday mini course. You can go to com slash OYE and you can just get access to it there. I think it could help you when it comes to trying to create a command center and using things like time blocking and anchor times so that you have consistent times that you come together, even if your time spent working is completely different. It can be something that provides structure and flexibility. So if you want to check that out, feel free to do that. It's also on my website and we'll link it in the show notes as well. All right. That is all I have for you. Happy home building making in Unity. (laughs) I don't know how to say it, but you got this. I know it's not easy. We're in this together. I'm cheering for you. And I can't wait to hear how maybe one or two of these (laughs) disciplines (laughs) begin to uh, just help you cultivate and create a more unified home and environment together. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show.